It was November 16, 1982. Two Wyoming highway patrolmen were driving along their regular route when they discovered an abandoned car along a desolate stretch of rural highway. But this was no ordinary abandoned car. Whoever had been in it just seemed to have walked away. The engine was running, the driver's door was standing open, and the heater was going full blast. But there was no one in the car. The driver, whoever it was, was just gone. Strangely, the car was packed with clothing and other items, leaving just enough room for the driver inside. Several items of clothing were scattered on the roadside near the car, and a single set of footprints led away into the snow. As the officers followed the trail, they found a handful of items that belonged to Don Kemp, a former advertising executive from New York, but no sign of Kemp himself. The search continued for days until a blizzard forced the authorities to call it off. Like others before him, Don Kemp seemed to have just walked away into the wild. But just as his abandoned car was out of the ordinary, so was the disappearance of Don Kemp. In fact, it was one of the strangest in modern history, filled with twists, turns, and unanswered questions. Some believe he walked away on his own. Some believe he was murdered. Others believe he was abducted by aliens, while still others believe he was simply silenced. Someone wanted to keep him from talking about what he knew about the conspiracy surrounding the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. Kemp claimed to have inside knowledge about the assassination and often stated that God wanted him to pass on a message about it. But what really happened to him, no one knows. The story of Don Kemp is a disconcerting one that makes little sense and a narrative that provides far more questions than answers. Welcome to American Hauntings, the podcast dedicated to the history, hauntings, and the dark side of American history. And welcome to the latest season, Woods and Fields, Dark and Wicked, which is hosted and produced by Cody Beck and written and performed by Troy Taylor. That's me. This is a season I've been working on, no kidding, most of my life. Dating back to my childhood when I first became fascinated by the strange tales that have emerged from America's forests, farms, and fields. The episodes this season have included tales of horror and homicide, curses and cults, massacres, mysterious disappearances, magic, mayhem, sinners, saints, and of course, plenty of ghosts. And there's still more episodes to come. This is episode 15 of the season, The Vanishing of God's Messenger, a story so strange that we're unable to offer you any rational explanations about it at all. Just prepare yourself, so sit back and soak this one in, because there's no way anyone can figure it out. And you'll soon see what I mean. Don Kemp seemed to have the perfect life, at least for a while. The 35-year-old was a successful Madison Avenue advertising exec, raking in a sizable salary and enjoying his time as one of the most powerful men in the business in the early 1980s. So... Picture Don Draper, 1980s style. However, Don soon found his life altered by a debilitating car accident that forced him into a lengthy rehab. He was never the same after that. He found himself taking a closer look at his life and according to family and friends, became withdrawn and disillusioned 
about the materialistic society that he'd been promoting for so many years. He wanted to step away from his New York ad exec lifestyle and do something quieter and simpler. So he quit his job and turned his attentions to writing a book about the assassination of President Abraham Lincoln. He was quickly fascinated, some say obsessed, with the research and began devoting all of his time to it. Don's obsession had started during his convalescence after the accident. He believed he had been taken on mental voyages to the spirit world, where he was in touch with Mary Surratt, the woman hanged as a co-conspirator in Lincoln's assassination. His book, he told friends, would combine Lincoln, spiritualism, and the true villains involved in the president's death. He described what the book would reveal as the truth. And that's all capitalized, by the way. I have the truth, he once said. The truth will come through me. I am attuned to a highly spiritual plane, and I am a messenger of God. But just being a writer and a messenger of God wasn't enough for Don. He wanted to leave the city and find a quiet place to work. And he chose Jackson Hole, Wyoming, a peaceful community at the foot of the Grand Tetons mountain range. He sold off most of his belongings, packed up his car, and headed west. The next place that Don was seen was in Cheyenne, Wyoming, where he reportedly wandered around a museum for a few hours, keeping to himself and not talking to anyone. When he walked out the door, he left behind his briefcase, which contained all his traveler's checks and his diary. The final entry in Don's diary claimed himself to be, quote, an emancipator of men. In the museum that day was the last time that Don Kemp was ever seen alive. Maybe. The next morning, November 16, 1982, Highway Patrolman Randy Teeters and his partner discovered Don's abandoned vehicle on a lonely stretch of highway that was surrounded by cold, bleak prairie for miles around. There were no homes or buildings anywhere in sight. The car's engine was running, the radio was playing, the door was open, and various items were strewn about on the edge of the road. It appeared to the two officers that whoever the car belonged to, they were only making a very brief stop. But he wasn't. Don Kemp had disappeared. The only clue that he'd left behind was a single set of footprints that led away into the snow. Officer Teeter later recalled that neither he nor his partner had ever seen anything like the scene in front of them. He said in an interview, The vehicle was left 40 miles from any town on an off-ramp, running, stuff strung out of it, the doors open, a relatively new vehicle, not one that somebody would just leave. I have no idea what would inspire anybody to walk out through the prairie in the middle of winter. We consider possibly someone under medication that didn't know what they were doing, due to the medication or being out of the medication. Possibly that would affect him to the point where they'd just walk out into the middle of nowhere. Well, fearing that the driver might be in serious trouble, the patrolman radioed headquarters and requested a search of the area. Meanwhile, the officers searched the car as best they could because of the packed interior and found Don's registration and the identification he'd left behind. An aircraft was called in to search the flat open terrain, but there was no sign of the missing driver. Patrolman followed the trail left by the man on foot and found a few puzzling clues along the way, like Don's teapot, some clothing, socks, and laundry detergent. 
In a barn four miles from his abandoned car, they found three more of his socks and signs that someone had tried to start a fire. A few days later, his laundry bag was found in a haystack. There was, however, no body found or any clue as to where Don went or, perhaps more importantly, why he went. The authorities speculated that Don had some sort of mental breakdown and had just wandered off. Deputy Rod Johnson, who spent hours flying over the prairie looking for him, later said, I felt this guy was disoriented, and I felt maybe he didn't want to be found. If he'd wanted to be found, he would have heard the aircraft, could have waved his arms, got our attention, gone up on a ridge, anywhere, and been sighted. If he was out there, Deputy Johnson sighed, I would have found him. The search went on for several days, but a terrible snowstorm forced it to be called off. In the wake of the blizzard and without any further clues as to the whereabouts of Don Kemp, it was assumed he had died in the storm. As one cop said, nobody could have survived that out in the open. Don's mother, Mary, was unhappy the search was called off. She insisted that her son did not have any mental issues and would not have gone wandering out onto the prairie, leaving all his belongings behind on his own. She didn't believe he just died in the storm either. She was convinced that something terrible had happened to him, that he'd been kidnapped or murdered and the duffel bag had been left behind intentionally to make it look like he'd wandered off. She expressed doubt about all the official theories. He didn't disappear into thin air, she said. My son would not do this. I'm certain he was in a horrible jam. I just felt it because this was so unlike my son. I knew that he hadn't walked out there. I felt that he didn't, and yet the sheriff kept saying he was out there. A friend of Don's, though, had a different idea. I think Don was sitting on the fence of reality, he said. As he was driving down the highway, he finally crossed over to the other side of the fence. I think he saw a sign, and he walked off. There were other signs that Don's mind was going in some dark directions before he vanished. There was an increase in proclamations about God and spirits, about Abraham Lincoln, and there were late-night phone calls to friends where Don was sobbing and almost hysterical. But no one mentioned any of these things until after he was gone. By then, of course, it was too late. Or was it? Because then, things got even stranger. Even though the authorities were convinced the missing man was dead because no one could have survived being out in that storm, Don was spotted twice about five months after his abandoned car was found. According to a witness in Casper, Wyoming, about 150 miles away, Don was seen walking around at a traveling exhibit of Abraham Lincoln memorabilia. Soon after, a bartender, also in Casper, claimed that Don came into his bar one night for a drink. These sightings were never confirmed, but they were certainly odd. What happened next, though, was even more bizarre. In April 1983, a good friend of Don's in New York, Judy Aiello, came home to find a series of mysterious messages on her answering machine. Judy had just returned home after a long vacation in Europe and had been out of the country so long she didn't even know Don was missing. Judy's telephone number was unlisted, known only to close friends and family. She was absolutely certain that the voice on the recorded calls was Don Kemp. In one message, he said, I'd like to speak to you again. Call me. And he left a number. The next day, Judy called the number and a man answered. 
She told investigators that when she asked if Don Kemp was there, the man said yes and then no very quickly. When she said to tell Don that Judy called, the man simply said fine and hung up. Judy said she was convinced the man held the clue about what really happened to her friend. Well, Judy contacted the police and they pulled up the phone records to see where the calls were coming from. They had originated from a house trailer in Casper, Wyoming, the same town where two people had reported seeing Don around the same time. The trailer was rented by a man named Mark Dennis. He swore he hadn't made the calls and didn't know who had. He told police that someone must have used his phone without permission or the phone company had made a mistake. Even under extended questioning, Dennis was adamant he knew nothing about the calls. Dennis told a reporter, It's bizarre. It's puzzling. Nothing this strange has ever happened to me before. The only explanation I can think of is somebody got in my house to make the phone calls. Well, since Judy's number was unlisted, it could not be explained how Mark Dennis or anyone else who didn't know Judy could have called her. Dennis became the number one suspect in Don's disappearance, but investigators could find no evidence that linked him to Don in any way. He maintained he had no knowledge of the calls and hadn't made them. The police showed him a photo of Don, but he insisted he didn't know him, hadn't seen him, and knew nothing of his whereabouts. Dennis was initially very cooperative with the police, but he eventually got a lawyer and there wasn't much else the police could do. Captain Mark Benton of the Natrona Sheriff's Office didn't know whether to believe Dennis or not, but his hands were tied. One person who didn't believe Mark Dennis was Don's mother, Mary. She was sure that Dennis knew something about her son's disappearance and finally confronted him about it over the telephone. She talked to a reporter about it. God knows what happened to my son in that trailer, she said. It's too horrible to contemplate. I don't know, but I think I deserve an answer. I tried in every way I knew how to contact this young man. I finally spoke with him one time on the phone. I asked him about my son, and he said he knew nothing about Don Kemp. He just paid those phone bills. He didn't look at them. And I told this young man he was lying. You know what happened to my son. And he just hung up on me. Well, needless to say, Mark Dennis didn't take any more of Mary's calls after that. Even though the police found nothing that linked Dennis to Don and found no evidence to suggest that Don had ever even been in the trailer, aside from the strange phone calls, that is, he quickly left town. Three weeks after being questioned, Dennis dropped out of sight and vanished almost as easily as Don Kemp had. He was either involved in the case, as Mary Kemp believed, or he was an innocent man who was understandably frightened at finding himself mixed up in such a strange mystery. We'll never know which was the truth. After that, there were no more calls and no further sightings, and the case of Don Kemp went cold for the next four years. And then the case took yet another turn. In 1986, some hunters found the badly decomposed remains of Don Kemp just a few miles from the spot where his abandoned vehicle had been found, adding more mystery to the story. First, how had Don been spotted in Casper when he was dead out on the prairie near where his car was abandoned? Who had made the mysterious phone calls? And even if we accept the fact that Don was dead the entire time, how had searchers missed his body? The skeletal remains weren't hidden at all. They were out in the open. The area had been thoroughly covered in November 1982, and there had been no sign of a body. 
Several officers who assisted with the remains were sure that they had walked through the exact area where the remains were discovered. There had been nothing there. If the remains hadn't been there then, where'd they come from? While the initial autopsy showed no signs of foul play, the remains were then sent to the Smithsonian Institution for analysis. They found some unsettling things. The body had allegedly been on the prairie for four years, and yet there were no signs of damage from animals or scavengers. It was also not as decomposed as one would expect after four years. In fact, there were suggestions the remains were only a year old. Perhaps strangest of all was the small hole that had been bored into Kemp's skull for unknown reasons. Regardless, Wyoming authorities stuck with their initial cause of death that Don had voluntarily walked away from his car where he probably died during the snowstorm. Well, it's a tidy solution until you start looking at the sightings and the phone calls to Don's friend Judy. If Don didn't make the calls, then who did and why? Why was Judy the only person to get the strange calls? And did Don actually make them? Was he, as some have claimed, kidnapped, only to be murdered by his abductors and his body dumped where it was found? It seems unlikely, but it does explain the puzzling fact that it took so long for his body to be discovered on that flat open terrain. Mary Kemp always believed this was exactly what happened to her son, and that Mark Dennis had something to do with it. She went to her grave in 2014, believing that Dennis had killed her son, although she could never explain why this seemingly ordinary guy would murder a man who was a complete stranger to him. Why would anyone have wanted Don Kemp dead? Now, you know where I'm going with this next, right? Yeah, the story gets even weirder. It seems that in the years after Don's disappearance, some of his belongings have been stolen. Mostly the notes, research, and the work that he'd done on the Lincoln assassination. It also seems that several of the people who had been in possession of those documents have died under mysterious circumstances such as a curator of Lincoln material who purportedly died in a motorcycle crash after receiving some of Kemp's notes. Another man, Frank Carrington, died in a suspicious house fire after receiving some of Don's Lincoln research. It's been suggested that someone didn't want Kemp to write his book containing the truth because it might contain information about Lincoln that they didn't want the public to know about. Yeah, I know, it's pretty out there, but not as out there as aliens, and that's another popular theory, or that he fell into another dimension only to be returned to this world three years later. His body was dumped not far from where he'd been taken and was discovered there by hunters. Hard to believe? Sure. But (laughs) what about this story isn't hard to believe? Don Kemp's disappearance is one of the strangest I've ever run across, and it's just as baffling now as it was almost four decades ago. We'll never know for certain what happened in November 1982, but there certainly seems to be no end to the speculation. Will it ever be solved? Probably not. But maybe there's someone out there who knows something. You know, like the truth. Till they decide to talk, though, this mystery will remain unsolved. Have you ever wanted to learn a new language? 
And I don't mean like spells or incantations to trap spirits, you weirdos. I mean like a new language that could help you start communicating with more people on this plane today. Then I need to tell you about Rosetta Stone. Look, you know the brand, you know the name. They have the expertise and a 30-year legacy, which makes them more qualified than ever to help you learn a new language today. They've helped millions of people build the fluency and confidence to speak new languages. Now, this is the part where Troy would tell me that I made some kind of grammatical error, but he's not here right now, so like, I don't know, it's like speaking tongues. Rosetta Stone focuses on speaking practice for real-life scenarios to get you ready for real conversations with real people. Or maybe you can even learn how to use some different types of Ouija boards. I don't know. Either way, Rosetta Stone can help you learn faster and retain your new language better. Honestly, Rosetta Stone really would have come in handy for season four of New Orleans because I know we butchered some of those French names and I apologize once again. Now you all know I have a nine to five job when I'm not at the podcast factory and Rosetta Stone actually helped me not make a total fool out of myself while I was in Brazil interviewing celebrities. Obrigado. And now I want to help you. So don't put off learning that new language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, American Hauntings podcast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today today. Rosetta Stone, how language is learned. Wait, by the way, Troy, like where do words come from? Hey, no, don't, 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 don't walk away. Oh, Troy, where do words At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Got it. Everything's good on my side. Let's pull up. All right. Thanks for tuning into the American Hauntings podcast, the show where we discuss history, hauntings, legends, lore, and the dark side of American history. We are now in season six of the podcast. Woods and fields, dark and wicked. Dark and wicked. Yes. That's okay. We, and like, we never plan it. And it just whichever one of us gets to the mic first. <laughs> uh, I'm your co-host, Cody Beck. And with me is my co-host, author, historian, crime buff, the founder of American Hauntings, Mr. Troy Taylor. Hello, hello, hello. What's up, dude? It's been a uh, been a little bit. We text yeah, all the time, but we haven't actually no, talked in a little while. Yeah, no, doing okay. So staying gearing up already. So it's yeah. August. <laughs> it's August. It gets earlier every year. You it know, it does. It does. We'll you just put you Halloween just season, so well you, that and then you but you just put out an exciting announcement. Well, um, yeah, that I'd like I figured we would talk about, but that yeah. I even text you about because I was like, this is different and exciting yeah, yeah it is um we we did we did have an announcement about the haunted america conference coming up in 2023 and that we are shifting to a new location um we'll still be using the hotel the bwp in alton for our you know the conference hotel for people to stay and reserve rooms and things 
Uh, but as far as where we'll be holding the event, we have moved out to a uh, theater at Lewis and Clark College, which is about 10 minutes or so from the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, it seats about 900 people, not that we're going to be selling that many tickets. Ye of little it'll faith. Live us, uh, it'll, it'll give us a lot of elbow room. Uh, we'll also have a vendor room that's twice the size of what we have now. Literally, the vendor room itself will be the entire space we had for the conference in the past. It's amazing. Yeah. So it's my, my alma um, mater, I guess. Yeah. You yeah. So we're we're moving out there. Um, they're really great. They've been really great to us. It's a really, really cool place. If you um, want to see some of the photos, I posted some photos up on my um, on my author Facebook page, the, the Troy Taylor page. Uh, so you can see some of the photos uh, or you can just go to the website and take a look there. It's um, uh, ghostconference.net and uh, we'll be posting speakers soon and some of the activities and things will be going up soon. Um, tickets, of course, always go on sale uh, in early January. So and it's, we'll it's, a, it's, a, that too. it's a beautiful campus. Um, yeah, it's a very, it really very well funded community college. I think if it wasn't so close to Edwardsville, it would be probably like University of Godfrey or something yeah, by something. now. Yeah, like something. It's, yeah, it's a it's lot great. bigger than I thought it was. Really? I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've always known about little Monticello Seminary, which is how it started when it was a girls' school yep. you know, in the 1800s. And I mean, of course, that's where the ghost story comes from with Harriet Haskell. Well, wasn't, wasn't that, there a fire so. there too? And yeah, stuff? there was a fire there when she was there that destroyed the school and then she got it rebuilt. And so she's like the beloved figure of campus who's never left. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's plenty of activity around the campus or at least in the the old library and the the big administration building and stuff but uh but it's a really beautiful campus it's really nice tons of parking there's all kinds of food and things right close by there uh so it's great dairy queen across the street well there well there's that but there's also pizza and a coffee house and regal beagle there's yeah regal beagle there's plenty of food there so that'll be handy for lunch breaks and dinner breaks and that kind of stuff did i did i ever tell you the spooky story that happened to me while i was there no i might have told you this i'm not and it's not like a bit i might have told you um (laughs) whenever we did i don't know one of our halloween christmas episodes whatever like Mm -hmm. years ago but i was i walked out of i don't know one of the buildings one of the like main administration buildings and i walked past this she was a a girl i mean young very young woman and she looked at me and and i just i'm sure i just looked terrible and it was college (laughs) and she she was just like she's like you need to smile more and i remember i remember how much women hated hearing that role reversal yes yeah and (laughs) i was like it kind of made me laugh. But then I was like, what the fuck? And I got like 20 feet maybe down the sidewalk and I turned around and she was just gone. Oh, yeah. And like, And yeah. there was not very many places for her to go. And it was so weird. But it wasn't a time when I remember I wasn't wasn't doing my best, I guess. But yeah, uh, yeah. I turned around and she was just completely gone. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I haven't checked to see if she looked like anyone that would be associated with the school. Yeah, right. Whatever, but. Right. Yeah, I don't know. That was funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- just and sticking with the Alton centric um, announcements, um, you know, with the conference being right there mm-hmm. in Godfrey. Um, next week, the Haunted Alton tickets for fall all go on sale. They go on sale the twelfth. So later this week, I guess after the um, you know after this this podcast will air on the twelfth on Friday, uh, those tickets go on sale. The Haunted Decatur tickets also go on sale the same day. Um, our dinner and spirits events, all of our dinners and our river road tours for the fall are already on sale. And a lot of those, in fact, one sold out already. 
one of the tours is already sold out for the end of October. Which so, one? I mean, they're going, it's like the 28th. So wow. they're all going to fill up really fast. I mean, the dinner tours are, they always do. And once everybody gets wind that all the rest of the tickets for Alton are on sale, those are going to go too. Well, and he was such finally, a great... Oh, sorry, sorry, I was just saying it's no, such a great a, thing for like friends to like jump in. Oh, and go, let's let's get together. Fun. Let's do this weird yeah. thing. Let's yeah. got you know, get like six people or eight people or whatever. Like yeah. people love doing that stuff. So jump on that if you're all looking yeah. for something yeah, to do. Yeah. So and then finally, the one last thing I wanted to say is that the new Haunted Alton book I announced will be out um, on the 26th online. Um, it's new. It's updated. It's revised. It's got a ton of new stories and it's uh, twice the size of the last book. I'm not no joking, shit. It's huge. And Orin uh, so did, did the art, right? Orin did the artwork on it yes. for the, the book cover and for the T-shirts, uh, the, the Alton Hauntings T-shirts that we've got. So on the 26th, it's going to be available online. And then on the 27th, I'll be doing the signing at the Mineral Springs in Alton from 11 to 3. So if people are interested in coming in person, um, getting a book signed, uh, they could certainly do that if you're around the area. We'd love to see you. So No, yeah. and that's, that's awesome. I have... Um, some art from Oren that I bought at the conference and it's, it's um, Oren Taylor art on Instagram, O R R I N. And so, yeah, so that's hanging up right like in the little walkway from my living room to my oh, bedroom. Yeah. And yeah. it says like check under the bed and it's like this crazy uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. looking person, but yeah, Oren Taylor art on Instagram. He sells some stuff. It's really, really, it's uh it's bizarre art, possibly bordering on copyright infringement with the way he's portrayed ronald mcdonald and grimace and some of these people um and the pillsbury doughboy but it's really cool i really saw that i saw the doughboy yesterday i don't i, I hopefully it's not copyright infringement. no 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 I, I think it's i think it's parody out. enough i know i think so too i love it yeah but it's great um are those all the events you have yeah that's uh, what we've got well that's what we've got coming up for now so I'm going nice. I'm gonna leave it alone because I I just gave you like ten things. So we'll, perfect, you know. perfect. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Check all that out. Uh, <laughs> let's dive into some uh, listener. We had a listener review here from M Kind Heart, and it's titled "Best Podcast Ever." Because I love this podcast. I have many of Troy's books. Oh, who's it about? What podcast is that about? Uh, oh, yeah, I ours. think they were talking about a different. Oh, podcast I'm confused. Okay, confused. they were talking. So they were talking about a different podcast, and then they said on confused. side note. Yeah. Um, I have many of Troy's books and went on a tour many, many years ago in Jerseyville. Uh, I love history or I'm sorry, Jayville. So Jack Jackson. Oh, Jackson. I was going to say Jerseyville. Like, there wasn't me. I, because of Megan, I only Jacksonville. think, I only yes. think Jerseyville. That wasn't uh, just, always, that wasn't usually me. That was normally, usually Lisa. And then later I, I helped her with it too. So, right. Okay. It's okay. It's gotta be Jacksonville, but it says, I uh, love history. Uh, but what Troy delves into history, you will never learn in school, which I like that is when we're talking about yeah. college and stuff, you know, yeah, it's relevant. True, so yeah. True. You ever thought about being a history teacher? Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Fair nope. Enough. Just shot me down real quick. Yeah. Nope. Well, this this uh history lesson that you just gave us dude this is the <laughs> shit that i love i i know i knew how much you were gonna like this episode and and i had to i i i wanted to include it even though it i mean it is unsolved elements of it i mean we, uh -huh. they did find the body so it's not like he you know they never found him but nobody really knows what happened and it's yeah. just so messed up this story is such a bizarre Mess. It is. There's just no way to put it all together. I've been, and, and that's the thing. I have binge watched in the last couple of weeks every single Mission Impossible movie, and it just has me thinking: like, are there really people out there that are like, 
spies or or you know uh like under <laughs> under like the, you know like the crazy stuff where yeah are there because okay i think i mean it, is there really someone from the government taking this guy out because he's gonna spill and ever i think i said it and i didn't even mean to but every time i mentioned abraham lincoln i think i said it somewhat incredulously okay because okay. i was like why would anyone care who gives you know, a shit I mean, okay, 120 I years later 120 years after the assassination someone's afraid he's gonna spill secrets what secrets who cares right. at this point you Everybody's know he's gotta um, be dead right yeah i mean i okay i could even see if i could see maybe i mean if, it's still a reach but i could see maybe like the kennedy assassination or something sure. it had only been like 20 years before but even that I'm not convinced that there's government agents out there taking people out for spilling secrets, but this guy was obviously, you know, had had some wires crossed. Of course, I mean, but I feel but, bad but, for the guy because he he obviously had some untreated, even though his mother. Because I mean, that's what they always say. Oh, my mother or my son would never do that. I was you know, thinking that about what my mom would say. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. And so me. she's like, oh, yeah, he didn't have any mental issues. Oh, come on now. <laughs> I mean, it, come well, on. your baby, never even his friends it. were like. Yeah, you know, Don was riding right on the fence of reality. I love that, and I love that yeah. phrase, and that's how I'm yeah. gonna like say it from he now. Fell on. off. But I, I was, I was thinking though, it's like okay, 99 out of 100 times, it has to be the Occam's razor. It's got to be exactly what you think happened, sure. happened. But because of that, that means one time it's something different, and uh -huh. it's fun to think about that this it could is. be that, it is. that it's, different It's fun time. to ponder. That's why I kind of just said, well, you know, maybe it was aliens, because that's no weirder than anything else in the no, story. I mean, not. or that he slipped off into another dimension and came back. Right. I mean, it's not any weirder than the rest of it, so why not? Because the phone call thing, there's something about... What is that? You know, I don't... You know, there's something about phone calls and it's not the same anymore and you've heard me and everyone who listens to the show if you're a regular listener you've heard me complain about how cell phones ruin horror movies if there's a cell phone if you set one movie with a cell phone and it works there's nothing good could come of your film no it, it either has to not work because there's no service or better yet just set it before there were cell phones right that's right. what i like so but there's something eerie about hard line phones now mm -hmm. looking back you know looking back it's and you you probably i mean your parents probably still had one when you were a little kid but that's what i that's what i grew up with. i was we right got, on the cusp we, yeah we did not have cell phones we i mean I, we didn't have cell phones till i was long an adult and having that phone attached to your house like that and there were so many weird things you can do with it i've had people who refuse to believe me that they say that it's not logical you could make your own phone ring. You put in a code. It was like star 67 or 69. Those, like 69. Yeah. That was how you call people back. But it was like a star something, put the phone down and it rings. And then you have to time it just right for your mom to pick up the other line because you're in the basement. And I'm telling you this story from experience. Sure, sure, you're sure. in the basement <laughs> and then you get your mom on the phone and then you, 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 pull a prank on her right uh -huh, uh -huh. so and you know this is when this is when you know kids today kids today damn kids today <laughs> no but they don't understand how much and this is terrible but how much fun it was to to prank call people yeah of course yeah, you know it was, it was so, much, so fun. much fun but on the other hand that's some of the scariest stuff imaginable and now that you think about one it one of yeah. the one of my favorite 25 minutes of a movie 
and because the rest of the movie kind of blows. But my favorite is When a Stranger Calls. Uh-huh. Not a remake, the original one with Carol Kane and the phone keeps ringing and it's that old, you know, it's that old urban legend, you know, the police, the calls coming from inside the house, you know, the guys keeps calling, have you checked the children? Right. The babysitter or whatever. Yeah. T-shirts. One (laughs) t-shirt says, have you checked the children? The other one says the call is coming from inside the house. I like that. (laughs) I love it. Anyway. So, you know, there's something about the, the calls and, and the kind of calls you could get because you could block, even when um, caller ID came along, you could block that mm-hmm. so that it would say unknown number. I think and, you, um, isn't that what Star 67 was maybe? To maybe be that's what Star 67 was. Star 69 was to call back the number that last called you. Right, um, right. But there was another code or something you could do to your phone to make it ring inside the house, another mm-hmm extension got it okay um, i just can't remember what it was now but it but it was real so like the the guy with the babysitter i mean he could have easily have been doing that for real yeah that's what makes it so scary but imagine this woman this friend of don's who does not know he's even missing she's been out of the country been in europe for months comes back and gets these late night calls from a voice that she sure is him and he says hey uh, you know i want to talk to you give me a call back and leaves a number. She calls the number back. The guy claims, and we're never going to know, but he claims he has no idea what she's talking about. Now, see, let's just say for uh, just for the sake of argument, yeah, 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 that this guy, this Dennis guy, has no idea what she's talking about. Didn't have anything to do with Don. Has never seen him. Didn't didn't kidnap him. Didn't hold him for ransom. Didn't anything. And but yet the the police, the phone company, Don's mother, Don's friend, all swear the calls came from your number. It was a it was a trailer too, right? Yeah, it was like a house trailer. And so I mean, could somebody have gotten inside? Sure, but why? It doesn't make any sense. Uh-uh. You know, so it's hard to believe he wasn't involved in some way. But you know, he did pass a lie detector test. And oh, the did police, you put that in the episode? The police were convinced that he didn't have anything to do with that. I mean, there were a couple of them who, who wondered, but he adamantly denied everything and they they believed him. And it's just like, you know, and then he decided to lawyer up, which I can't blame him. No, I mean, that's I the thing. There isn't anything that guy did that I can't blame him for doing. Mm-hmm. Hanging up on the guy's mom because he doesn't know what she's talking about. Right. Or... Maybe he was guilty as hell and for unknown reasons kidnapped Don Kemp and murdered him. Who knows? I mean, that's could what his you, mom thought. So. I need I would need somebody to be able to tell me. I don't know. Could you hijack a phone line back then and a number? Maybe, and stuff? maybe. Um, I mean, you, you probably could. I think if I remember correctly, you could tap into somebody's line, but you had to do it from like the pole outside. Uh, or like the junction box where everybody's line ran through right. when lines when phones used to have lines even before they were buried or whatever i mean there used to just be poles with telephone lines hanging everywhere sure you know I've, i'm sure you've seen the old pictures in cities and stuff and there were <laughs> millions of them right, you know? right and then you gee i wonder why our phones went out <laughs> gee i don't know you know um but yeah, and then they started burying them. And then, of course, you know, they just became obsolete. And, you know, well, but I don't know. Man. It's it's interesting to me, too, that this guy. So 35 year old, successful Madison Avenue advertising exec uh-huh. in the 1980s. 
Right. I can, like we've seen the movies, we've seen the TV shows. Well, there had to like have I been, said, Don Draper in the eighties. It had to have been. I mean, and think about like, the right. drugs, the women, the atmosphere. Sure. Like it sure. had to have been a, an absolute high insane pressure, time. high yeah. pressure job, making lots of money. Probably the blow and the women, and yes. you know, and and it was in the days when you know you're, you could smack your secretary on the ass, and I mean, I'm sure you and know, it very, big very still madmen kind of thing, you sure. know. And it's the 80s, so, you know, greed is good, you know, mm-hmm. to quote the movie. And so, you know, he just has he this snap. He just sort of loses it. Well, you know, he got in that got in that accident and then spent some time, you know, kind of, um, you know, convalescing alone. And I don't know what happened. Maybe he just had time to sit and think, man, became depressed, got upset with the life he was living and decided that he was going to quit his job and probably had plenty of money in the bank and then started obsessing over the Lincoln assassination of all things. It's such, I mean, I guess I think, I feel like it's probably, well, I, just like you know, I'm sure what right it was trigger. is, you know, once he met Mary Surratt, you know, yeah. who had been will hanged. You tell, and, will you tell me about her too? Because I was not aware anybody yeah. was, was. Yeah. There were, there were several conspirators. Um, Booth, you know, Booth, they, they got Booth in a barn. He'd made it on the run, right? Mm-hmm. But there were several people arrested that were involved in the planning. Um, Louis uh, Surratt and his mother, Mary, she owned a boarding house where Booth had been staying mm-hmm. and where they had planned the plot. See, Lincoln was assassinated, but they also tried to kill uh, the vice president and the say, secretary of state on the same night. Oh. So it was badly stabbed, was badly hurt, but survived. So it was, there was a conspiracy and it may have been, it may have involved government people. I, you know, there's always, it it can't just be simple. It's got to be complex. Right. So anyway, so there's, you know, there's always been a lot of speculation about it, but so Mary Surratt was put on trial, a military trial, even though the evidence against her was pretty weak. Mm -hmm. I mean, she happened to be there and own the place, whether or not she was really involved to this day, no one knows. A lot of people think that she was badly misjudged. Anyway, she was hanged with the other conspirators. And, um, but then of course, you know, Don made his mental voyages to the spirit world during his convalescence and, and hooked up with Mary. And so she started telling him that she had all these stories for him and she was going to help him reveal the truth, mm-hmm. which, as I said, I put in all capital letters. In the yes, script. I saw that. The truth. So anyway, but you know, he's on a high spiritual plane and as a messenger from God, he felt that he needed to let everyone know what really happened during the assassination. So did it have, did the truth have the ellipses too, or did you put that in there? Uh, I put that in there. Okay. I was, cause uh, it'd yeah. be way. No, funnier. I didn't, I didn't see that printed anywhere. I just put, okay. I, just, I thought that I knew the quotes funnier. about the truth. So I made them the truth. And okay. So he, he goes to Jackson hole, which is an amazing place. If you've never it been is. there, I recommend it. Um, okay, you, when he left that um, that museum and the briefcase and all that, like that, obviously there's so many twists and everything that. Keep well, I know, and I think I think that was a. I don't think it was, it was an accident. He did on purpose. Okay, I think okay. that was. I think, as his friend said, Don was on the fence of reality, uh-huh. and I think at this point, I'm pretty sure since that was the last place he was ever seen, he was starting to teeter. Right. And I think that's probably something that he forgot all about and Got just it. walked away without it. God, crazy people are so interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, <laughs> I mean, I mean, this guy obviously was functioning. I mean, it wasn't like he was 
drooling and needed a straitjacket. He right. was functioning, but he just had really just, you know, and that, that, that happens. That happens. I, I've had it in my own family with not immediate family, but my extended family where I had a cousin who was the smartest guy I probably ever met. Mm -hmm. And one day, I mean, he was teaching at a college and I mean, he just lost it and is was your, never is, the same is your cousin ted kaczynski because that's no kinda what no like. <laughs> no but but he didn't do anything like that but he did really lose it thought he was talking to god and all kinds of stuff he just it just happens to really smart people and obviously this guy had to have been really smart to mm -hmm. have been achieved the status that he did at a very very competitive climate at the time yeah on you know madison avenue i mean this guy really had to have been smart and yeah. i think it just something just something misfired do you think you know? do you think this kind of stuff happens to really really smart people more often or that we just I hear do. about it more often um no you know i think it does i think i i, I think it does happen to people to really smart people more often than just your average joe on the street i really do um, Ted Kaczynski was a perfect example, you know, um, I think that it, it does happen that way. And, and I don't, I'm no expert on this, on the subject. It's just me pointing out something that I've seen historically speaking that it happens and it, it it's, it's scary. What, you know? yeah, what is that? I mean, you get so know, smart man. you just see reality. I guess in a whole like, different way. I don't know. I really don't. It makes me happy that I'm Wish a I knew. fucking idiot. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's great. Um, in 1986, some hunters found the badly decomposed remains of Don Kemp just a few miles away from the spot where his abandoned vehicle had been found, adding more mystery to the story. Which brings us back to, you know, the 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 long trail stories that we talked about mm -hmm. a couple episodes ago, you know, where they're finding bodies, uh, a body, uh, Frieda Langer's body. They found it right out in the open, in the grass. Where they the would dam. have searched. Yeah, where where they went, they searched a dozen times. They were convinced they did. And, um, you know, he's only a few miles away. He's in plain sight. The body isn't hidden at all. Um, yes, it did snow, but you remember before it snowed, they had a plane flying up, mm -hmm. uh, flying low. And these guys, that's what they specialized in. This was a deputy. That's what he did was air searches. And he said if he'd have been there, I'd have seen it. You know, right. if he'd have been there, but yet he was there, or at least he was four years later. But then when they do the autopsy, the guy says, that, well, yeah, he's been out there about a year. What? How? You and know you, what I'm saying? Somebody, and somebody with that would be able to tell. Four years later. One in four years. Oh, yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, you, absolutely. But you because there wasn't the kind of damage and decay and, you know, uh, scavenger action on the body that they would have expected. You know, there wouldn't have been anything left really after four years or yeah. very little. And now, while badly decomposed and damaged, he's saying a year at the most. And you talk about like the other small hole been drilled in this skull thing. And so it just makes you think yeah. like some weird MK Ultra experiment. Yeah, see, I don't know, man. It sounds so like much. aliens to me. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, and but then people who are also in possession of Don's research ended up dying under weird circumstances, yeah. which again yeah. doesn't. Doesn't help anything, but who no. gives a fuck about Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> I know, Lincoln? <laughs> I know the Lincoln assassination. That's what I keep saying. That's it doesn't make any sense unless there's more to this than we know. You know, that's that's all I can think of. Unless there's more to it than we know. But uh, but you know, like when the calls came in or when he was spotted, 
I mean, theoretically, if he died out there in the prairie a couple of miles from his car mm-hmm. after that snowstorm, how five months later was he making phone calls to his friend Judy? And how was he being seen in a Lincoln Museum exhibit right. or in a bar in Casper? How? It's impossible. Ugh. I mean, all these things are impossible. It makes no sense at all. Uh, it's a great And story. her unlisted number. Right, so right. Even, even if, I mean... How would this Dennis guy have, Mark Dennis, have called her? Right. Only someone who knew her. So you you probably don't, of course, now everyone. I don't know your phone I mean, number. I was going to say, to me, everyone's number is unlisted now <laughs> sure, because right, they're right. only by their name and my phone. I have yeah. no idea what anyone's phone number is. But you know what? I can still tell you my phone number from when I was a kid. Same here. Our, yeah. our phone number that we had in our house phone. I still remember those phone numbers, but... You know, so anyway, it was an unlisted number. No one would have had it. No one random would have gotten, um, you know, figured out how, you know, to call Judy, you right. know. And, you know, if somebody had broken into Mark Dennis's trailer, they how'd they to, get the number? Yeah, Unless it was it. Dawn. Yeah. But it, it can't have been Dawn because he was dead. Or maybe. maybe. Or something. Uh, you know, did he did he get away? Did he live on on the lamb for three years? Right, and then go back uh, to a couple of miles from where his car disappeared, lay down in the grass and die. I mean, I don't well, get it. When I think of a, a survivalist, I Maybe definitely think of a, a Madison uh, back off, yeah. a Madison advertiser executive. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah right. Yeah, it's, it's certainly a survivalist capable person there, uh, in from New York, born and raised in New York City, and. Right there i could see where he would be finally tuned to the idea of surviving in the wilderness or being an expert in um you know hiding out and changing techniques and you know come on man (laughs) i know that's that's why this story makes no sense yes just makes no sense i love it we talked about all this we got nowhere but i had a good time (laughs) doing it exactly (laughs) I knew you'd like this one. Yes. Um, I mean, it was right up your alley. So. I love it. You know, yeah, you know, I love those bizarre missing persons cases. Um, anything else you want to add to this before I move on to our no, Patreon supporters? No, sounds good, man. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for supporting the show on Patreon. We have some new subscribers. Uh, Damara89, Brian, Mary, Sassy Socks, and Dara. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for supporting the show on patreon uh we really couldn't and wouldn't do it without no, you we wouldn't and you know um uh, we still have that ongoing series we are getting close to the end though yes. so i'm gonna have to get my act together to start getting the next season started because um we are getting close to the end of the midnight murder episodes mm-hmm. so or moonlight murder, moonlight yes good grief um <laughs> moonlight murder episodes we're almost to the end uh so uh yeah it's uh it's getting close so we'll we'll be moving on to another story after that. So don't think that it's over just because this story this comes series to We'll be going on. So absolutely. Well, it is now time for our ghostwriter segment. If you have a question or comment about the world of the macabre, you can email us at American Hauntings Podcast at gmail.com. This email comes to us from Aaron. It is titled uh, Podcast Idea. It says, I live in Decatur. I would love some episodes about Decatur, including no, uh, Milliken, no, Greenwood no, Cemetery, and Hell's no, Hollow. No. I Never only put happening. this in because you love Decatur. You have so many things about Decatur. <laughs> I know, but you know, 
I, uh, I'm not read my books. To... I'm not doing a podcast. Yeah, read the book. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it at all. So. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Well, <laughs> hey, Aaron, I appreciate the email. <laughs> Troy does have some material out there about Decatur, though. Check it out. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm really giving him a hard time. I, I think know. he asked me this directly, and I said, no. Uh, no. Well, I figured, yeah, I'll slide it in the email there. Yeah, and yeah. We'll be good to I go. Troy, that's all I got, man. All right. Well, uh, that sounds good. I, uh, I was, I was, really enjoyed the crap out of this episode when yeah. I was working on it. I uh, had fun reading it, had fun writing it, and uh, and it was one that I knew you were going to like that you mm. probably weren't familiar with. Absolutely you know? not. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, so yeah, that's that's hell. It's half the reason I started this podcast was I wanted you to tell me fun stories. <laughs> yeah, it's been yeah. a really long time since you told me a fun story, so I really appreciate it. I'm kidding. You tell me fun stories every week. Oh, I don't know what happened. Uh, somebody we hadn't heard from in a while. I thought I, it just popped up. I thought I you had promised me this shit was did over. I, you did. did I promise no more Orson Welles? I think you the, the, did. The people have been calling for it. I don't. No one has been calling. No one knows your number, like you said. No one remembers phone numbers. God damn it! We just needed to tell you that. That <gasps> needed to make sure that you knew that. We will do they no Orson Welles joke before, before time. the time is right or whatever the fuck he says. I don't remember. Oh, gosh. So I, didn't, right. I actually didn't mean to do that. I was looking for something else. And in my search, I'm not kidding. In the search, it said Orson Welles wine commercial. And I flipped up the screen and it started to play. That's I'm not your, joking. That's your lock screen. What are you talking about? I know yeah, you have Well, I, I'm really not joking. I didn't plan for that. But since it played, I figured you might as well hear the whole thing. Uh. I knew you've been missing him. I have been missing it. Um, yeah, that's another thing you can get on Patreon, though. The Orson Welles story. The Orson Welles story from our Hollywood season that Cody wouldn't let me put in. So I did a Patreon episode for it. So He's if you want to hear about the ghost, the ghost, the ghost of Orson Welles, <laughs> you know, you'll have to get on the Patreon. So, <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Cody should listens I... to it every morning. <laughs> should I take the episode should... ever? Should I? No, it's not. Should I take us out with this? What? Should I take us out with this? We got we have oh. four minutes. Oh yeah. All right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. No, this episode of the American Hauntings podcast was written by I Troy should have, Taylor. I should have waited and played it during this. It was so. produced and edited by me. Coming back. <laughs> uh, music for this season performed by Packy Lundholm and whoever did the music for fucking Orson Welles, I guess. Yeah, and, I don't know who that was. <laughs> uh, probably Orson Welles himself. I'm hoping, yeah. Multi-talented man. Yeah, I, Actor, director. That's what I've heard. I don't believe it. over. You can find more of his music on Wine Netflix salesman, shows, on Twitter, Instagram, keys. Bandcamp, SoundCloud, Facebook, Frozen Peas. You can that find us on great, most of those that is places, a great too. Plus, so. you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. Not YouTube with the Orson Welles stuff, but you oh, can yeah, find no, the website no YouTube. at we American Hauntings Podcast.com oh, for more info about the show, notes, photos, links, and more. YouTube is just a lot of work, and so I, I yeah, it, yeah, and it shouldn't be, but yes, it is. So. It is, and well, you thanks. know, I started a channel on there. Like I, five years ago. I know. That's, how, that's part like, of how I found you. Yeah, we put like five episodes of something on there. And that's they're part all of how I found you. three minutes long because it took like hours to upload anything. And I'm like, this is pointless. Dude. So every time I get a notification that someone subscribed to the YouTube channel, I yeah. get 
Mm, boy, what are you doing? Disappointed. <laughs> Dude, we do, and we do like ten videos a day on Cinema Blend, and I yeah, don't I know. get how That's they do crazy. it. That's got to be somebody's full time job. Oh, it's it's like four people's okay. full time. Oh wow, okay, because yeah. yeah, I couldn't handle it. So. No, hell no. That's why I don't do it anyway. Um, yeah. You can find me on Cinema Blend's YouTube though, if you want to check it out. I got some fun horror movie stuff. Oh, there. you do, you do. I um, yeah, that was cool, but it's been a while. But anyway, yeah. well, thank hey, thanks for listening. Um, oh, like sorry, I, said, we, I thought you were done. We couldn't, we wouldn't, we wouldn't do it without you. Until next time, goodbye. So See ya. Long. Bye. See you later. All right. Uh, oh, with two minutes to spare. I don't know why oh, I always wow. feel like.